This chapter is chiefly devoted to describing the essential nature and glories of Nityananda Prabhu. Lord Sri Krishna is the absolute personality of Godhead and his first expansion in a form for pastimes is Sri Balaram. Beyond the limitation of this material world is the spiritual sky, Paravyoma, which has many spiritual planets, the supreme of which is called Krishnaloka. Krishnaloka or Liboda Krishna has three divisions, which are known as Dwaraka, Mathura, and Gokula. In that abode, the personality of God it expands himself into four plenary portions. Krishna, Balaram, Pradumna, the transcendental Cupid, and Aniruddha. They are known as the original quadruple forms. In Krishna Loka, in Krishna Loka is a transcendental place known as Shwetadip or Vrindavana. Below Krishna Loka is the spiritual sky. Below Krishna Loka in the spiritual sky are the Vaikuntha planets. On each Vaikuntha planet, a four-handed Narayan, expanded from the first quadruple manifestation, is present. The personality of Godhead, known as Sri Balaram, in Krishna Loka, is the original Sankarsana, attracting deity. And from this Sankarsana, expands another Sankarsana called Ma Sankarsana, who resides in one of the Vaikuntha, in the Vaikuntha planets, of the Vaikuntha planets. By his internal potency, Mahasankarsana maintains the transcendental existence of all the planets in the spiritual sky where all the living beings are eternally liberated souls. The influence of the material energy is conspicuous there by its absence. On those planets, the second quadruple manifestation is present. Outside of, of the Vaikuntha planets is the impersonal manifestation of Sri Krishna, which is known as Brahmaloka. On the other side of Brahmaloka is the spiritual Karna Samudra, or causal ocean. The material energy exists on the other side of the causal ocean without touching it. In the causal ocean is Mahavishnu, the original Purusha expansion from Sankarsana. Mahavishnu places his glance over the material energy and by a reflection of his transcendental body, he amalgamates himself within the material elements. As the source of the material elements, the material energy is known as pradhana. And as the source of the manifestations of the material energy, it is also known as maya. But material nature is inert, in that she has no independent power to do anything. She is empowered to make the cosmic manifestation by the glance of Mahavishnu. Therefore, the material energy is not the original cause of the material manifestation. Rather, the transcendental glance of Mahavishnu over material nature produces that cosmic manifestation. Mahavishnu again enters every universe as the reservoir of all living entities. Garbhadakshai Vishnu, excuse me, Mahavishnu again enters every universe as the reservoir of all living entities, Garbhadakshai Vishnu. From Garbhadakshai Vishnu, 
expands Shirdakshai Vishnu, the super soul of every living entity. Garbhadakshai Vishnu also has his own Vaikuntha planet in every universe, where he lives as the super soul or supreme controller of the universe. Garbhadakshai Vishnu reclines in the midst of the watery portion of the universe and generates the first living creature of the universe, Brahma. The imaginary universal form is a partial manifestation of Garbhadakshai Vishnu. On the Vaikuntha planet, in every universe is an ocean of milk, and within that ocean is an island called Shwetadvipa, where Lord Vishnu lives. Therefore, this chapter describes two Shwetadvipas, one in the abode of Krishna and the other in the ocean of milk in every universe. The Shwetadvipa in the abode of Krishna is identical with Vrindavan Dham, which is the place where Krishna appears himself to display his loving pastimes. In the Shwetadvipa within every universe is a Shesha form of Godhead who serves Vishnu by assuming the form of his umbrella, slippers, couch, pillows, garments, residence, sacred thread, throne, and so on. Lord Baladev in Krishna Loka is Nityananda Prabhu. Therefore, Nityananda Prabhu is the original Sankarsana and Mahasankarsana, and his expansions as the Purushas in the universes are plenary expansions of Nityananda Prabhu. In this chapter, the author has described the history of his leaving home for a personal pilgrimage to Vrindavan and is achieving all success there. In this description, it is revealed that the author's original paternal home and birthplace were the district of Katwa in the village of Jamatapur, which is near Naihati. Krishnadas Kaviraj's brother invited Sri Minikatana Ramdas, a great devotee of Lord Nityananda, to his home, but a priest named Gunarnava Mishra did not receive him well, and Krishnadas Kaviraj's brother, not recognizing the glories of Lord Nityananda, also took sides with the priest. Therefore Ramdas became sorry, broke his flute, and went away. This was a great disaster for the brother of Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, but on that very night, Lord Nityananda Prabhu himself graced Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami in a dream and ordered him to leave on the next day for Vrindavan. Jai. Shri Balaram Purnima Ki Jai. So, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, but enjoyment takes place within variety. Therefore, Eko Bahu Shyam. The Vedas say that the one has become many for his own enjoyment. And the way that he expands himself is first into the form of Lord Baladev, who has the mood of uh, a servant. And we find that all the expansions of Krishna are sevakas. So Krishna is the one to be served, and without a servant and the one to be served, there's no bhakti. The idea that there's one God, but ultimately the varieties we see around us are a kind of illusion 
And therefore, when we become enlightened, then we see that everything is one, is a mistake. And throughout the Shastras, we hear about the multifarious energies of the Lord, Parasha Shakti Rivadai Vishuyate, Sobhavika Jnana Bala Kriyacha. The Lord has inconceivable, unlimited varieties of energies. And also, Bhagavatam confirms, Vadanti Tat Tatva Vidas Tatvam Yaj Jnanamadvayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Shabdite. That absolute truth is one, Advaya Jnan Tatva, one truth, but he's manifested in various features, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. So the reason that Krishna exists is to enjoy, and enjoyment takes place in variety, and his first expansion is Lord Baladev, who is called Vaivaba Prakash. Krishna's original form is his Swarup, He's not dependent on on any other um, for his opulence and his sweetness. But then he expands himself from that original form into other forms that look exactly like he does. For instance, in the Rasa dance, there's the Swayam Rup, who's Krishna in the very middle of the Rasa dance, and the Swayam Prakash, who are identical manifestations of Krishna, but they are his expansions, and they're dancing in between every gopi. But then, when Krishna expands himself and he has a different feature, like Balaram, it's called Vaibhava Prakash. And Baladev then expands himself further, as we heard, into the Chaturvyuha then the Mula Sankarshan, and then the Dvitiya Chaturvyuha, the secondary Chaturvyuha, and then, as everyone knows well, into the various Vishnus who manifest the material world. And all the way down, as we heard into the introduction here, the, the uh, Garbhadakshai Vishnu, the reservoir of all living entities, then... And all of these are expansions uh, especially meant or exclusively meant to serve Krishna. All of the expansions, all of the ways in which Krishna manifests himself or Balaram manifests himself are meant to uh, serve uh, Krishna. And Krishna, uh, Balaram serves Krishna as manifesting as, as the Dham, and he also manifests as his various paraphernalia, the paraphernalia that uh, Krishna uses in various ways, like his uh, stick, his Brahmin's thread, his shoes, his bed, and all other paraphernalia is a manifestation of Baladev. And as we heard, the living entities are also expansions ultimately, of Baladev. And therefore, we're under his shelter. And we could also consider something very profound, and that is, just as all these other manifestations come from Baladev simply to serve Krishna, 
we're also expanded from him ultimately. And therefore, uh, what would you say is our purpose? To assist Lord Balaram in serving Krishna? Yes, we're, we're like paraphernalia. We are manifestations meant specifically uh, to serve Krishna. So this is very important to know. And also throughout the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find that all the manifestations of Godhead, even the Vishnu Tattva, are in this mood of service to the Lord. So the, the jivas, who are manifest also, when in the mood of service to Krishna, are happy. This is the simple formula for happiness. If you're in a mood of service to Krishna, then you're in your constitutional position. Jivera surupahoi, Krishnera nityadas, we're eternal servants of Krishna. And from that understanding, one can realign one's life perfectly with uh, Krishna by cooperation in, in devotional service. And then we become happy. So this is all um, coming from uh, Balaram. Balaram has the uh, feature of being Krishna's uh, friend. He's uh, as a friend, but sometimes he manifests also a parental mood because he's also Krishna's protector. And then, of course, we find that he has this mood of serving Krishna in Shantaras and manifesting various kinds of paraphernalia, that is, serving Krishna in a passive way. And, of course, the mood of uh, servitorship, uh, Dasyaras. And then, as his expansion as Ananga Manjari, he serves in the uh, romantic ras or the Madhurya ras, Krishna's Lila. So he is the reservoir of all these uh, various rasas, Balaram. And therefore, on this day of uh, Balaram Jayanti, uh, we take shelter of the strength of Balaram, who's also known as the Samasti Guru. There's the Vyasti Guru. A Vyasti Guru is a devotee who's pure and who's following uh, perfectly the line of disciplic succession and therefore manifests the potency of the Samasti Guru, that is Balaram, who is the source of uh, all this, uh, of all the gurus. Who, he's the original guru manifestation of Krishna, the Guru Shakti. And anyone else who's acting in that role uh, as a Vyasti guru, localized uh, a guru in a practical way, is deriving strength from Nityananda Balaram. So Balaram's also known as the original guru. And because we are under him, and because he is the Samasti guru, when we um, align ourselves with the Vyasti guru, we're aligning ourselves with that energy of Lord Balaram through which we're able to utilize our energies and align our natures with our real purpose in life, which is to serve Krishna. 
and uh, be, be eternally happy in his pastimes. So uh, Krishna and Balaram, and we'll go into more detail tonight, but because it's early in the morning and we have a little time left, I want to read to you a little bit about uh, Krishna and Balaram's pastimes in Vrindavan. And this will be from um, chapter 15 of the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, Canto 10. I'll be back in one minute. Hi, Bo. Hi, Krishna. I was just thinking that um, this nice um, pranam mantra of Balram, Namaste Suhala Grama, Namaste Mushla Yuda, Namaste Revati Kanta, Namaste Bhaktavatsala, Namaste Balinam Sheshta, Namaste Tarani Dhara, Pralambare Namaste Tu Trahimam Krishna Purvaja. So I just thought <laughs> it's such a nice prayer to recite today. Balram, so I just thought I'll recite in the brief gap. Thank you, Gandhara Gita Mataji. Thank you. Mataji, please share the... Sure, sure, Mataji, I'll share, I'll share, Shukish. Tachandra Jai Gaura Bhakta Vrinda May we have Bhagavatam? Thank you, Guru. This chapter describes how Lord Balaram and Lord Krishna, while tending their cows in the pastures of Vrindavan, killed Hinukasura, enabled the residents of Vrindavana to eat the fruits of the tall trees and saved the young cowherds from Kaliya's poison. Revealing their boyhood, Pauganda, phases of pastimes, Rama and Krishna were one day bringing the cows to pasture when they entered an attractive forest decorated with a clear lake. There they began playing forest sports along with their friends, pretending to tire Lord Baladev laid his head upon the lap of a cowherd boy and rested as Lord Krishna helped relieve his elder brother's fatigue by massaging his feet. Then Krishna also placed his head on the lap of a cowherd boy to rest and another cowherd boy massaged his feet. In this way, Krishna, Balaram and their cowherd friends enjoyed various pastimes. During this play, Sridhama, Subala, Stoka Krishna and other cowherd boys described to Rama and Krishna a wicked and irrepressible demon named Dhenuka, who had assumed the form of a jackass and was living in the Talavan forest near Govardhan. This forest was full of many varieties of sweet fruits, but fearing this demon, no one dared try to relish the taste of those fruits, and thus someone had to kill the demon and all his associates. Lord Rama and Lord Krishna, hearing of the situation, set off for this forest to fulfill the desire of their companions. Arriving at Talavan, Lord Balaram shook many fruits out of the palm trees, 
and as soon as he did so, the jackass demon, Tenuka, ran swiftly to attack him. But Balaram grabbed his hind legs with one hand, whirled him around, and threw him to, into the top of a tree, thus slaying him. All of Tenukasura's friends, overcome by fury, then rushed to attack. But Rama and Krishna took hold of them, one by one, swung them around, and killed them until the disturbance was finally finished. When Krishna and Balaram returned to the cowherd community, Yashoda and Rohini placed them on their respective laps. They kissed their faces, fed them with finely prepared food, and then put them to bed. Some days later, Lord Krishna went with his friends, but without his older brother, to the banks of the Kalindi in order to tend the cows. The cows and the coward boys became very thirsty and drank some water from the Kalindi, but it had become contaminated with poison, and they all fell unconscious on the river bank. Krishna then brought them back to life by the merciful rain of his glance, and all of them regaining their consciousness appreciated his great mercy. It's nice hearing about Vrindavan early in the morning, isn't it? Yeah. Shukadeva Goswami said, When Lord Rama and Lord Krishna attained the age of Pauganda, 6 to 10, while living in Vrindavan, the cowherd men allowed them to take up the task of tending the cows. Engaging thus in the company of their friends, the two boys rendered the land of Vrindavan most auspicious by imprinting upon it the marks of their lotus feet. Purport. Lord Krishna wanted to encourage his cowherd boyfriends who had been swallowed by Agasura and then stolen by Lord Brahma. Therefore the Lord decided to bring them into the palm tree forest called Talavan, where there were many delicious ripe fruits. Since Lord Krishna's spiritual body had apparently grown slightly in age and strength, the senior men of Vrindavan, headed by Nanda Maharaj, decided to promote Krishna from the task of herding calves to the status of a regular cowherd boy. He would now take care of the full-grown cows, bulls, and oxen. Out of great affection, Nanda Maharaj had previously considered Krishna too small and immature to take care of full-grown cows and bulls. It is stated in the Kartik Mahatmya section of the Padma Purana, the eighth lunar day of the bright fortnight of the month of Kartik is known by authorities as Gopashtami. From that day, Lord Vasudev served as a cowherd, whereas previously he had tended the calves. The word Padai indicates that Lord Krishna blessed the earth by walking on her surface with his lotus feet. The Lord wore no shoes or other footgear, but walked barefoot in the forest, giving great anxiety to the girls of Vrindavan, who feared that his soft feet would be injured. His soft lotus feet would be injured. Thus desiring to enjoy pastimes, Lord Madhava, sounding his flute, surrounded by cowherd boys who were chanting his glories and accompanied by Lord Baladev, who kept the cows before him and entered the Vrindavan forest, which was full of flowers and rich with nourishment for the animals. I'm going to read that one more time. Thus, desiring to enjoy pastimes, Lord Madhava, sounding his flute, surrounded by cowherd boys who were chanting his glories, and accompanied by Lord Baladev, kept the cows before him and entered the Vrindavana forest. 
which was full of flowers and rich with nourishment for the animals. Purport. Srila Sanatana Goswami has explained the various meanings of the word Madhava as follows. Madhava normally indicates Krishna to be the Lord who is the consort of the goddess of fortune Lakshmi. This name also implies that Lord Krishna descended in the dynasty of Madhu. Since the spring season is also known as Madhava, it is understood that as soon as Lord Krishna entered the Vrindavan forest, it automatically exhibited all the opulences of spring, becoming filled with flowers, breezes, and a celestial atmosphere. Another reason Lord Krishna is known as Madhava is that he enjoys his pastimes in Madhu, the taste of conjugal love. Lord Krishna would loudly sound his flute as he entered the forest of Sri Vrindavan, thus giving inconceivable bliss to all the residents of his hometown, Rajdam. These simple pastimes of playfully entering, entering the forest, playing on the flute and so forth, were performed daily in the spiritual land of Vrindavan. The Supreme Personality of God had looked over the forest, which resounded with the charming sounds of bees, animals and birds, and which was enhanced by a lake whose clear water resembled the minds of great souls, and by a breeze carrying the fragrance of hundred-petaled lotuses. Seeing all this, Lord Krishna decided to enjoy the auspicious atmosphere. Purport, Lord Krishna saw that the Vrindavan forest was giving pleasure to all five senses. The bees, birds, and animals made charming sounds that brought sweet pleasure to the ears. The wind was faithfully rendering service to the Lord by blowing throughout the forest, carrying the cool moisture of a transparent lake and thus giving pleasure to the sense of touch. By the sweetness of the wind, even the sense of taste was being stimulated, and the fragrance of lotus flowers was, being, was bringing pleasure to the nostrils, and the entire forest was endowed with heavenly beauty, which was giving spiritual bliss to the eyes. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has thus explained the significance of this verse. The primeval Lord saw that the stately trees with their beautiful reddish buds and their heavy burden of fruits and flowers were bending down to touch his feet with the tips of their branches. Thus he smiled gently and addressed his elder brother. Purport the words Mudhas Mayam Iva indicate that Lord Krishna was in a joking mood. He knew that the trees were actually bowing down to worship him. But in the following verse, the Lord, speaking in a friendly, light-hearted mood, gives the credit to his brother, Balaram. The Supreme Personality of God had said, O greatest of lords, just see how these trees are bowing their heads at your lotus feet, which are worshipable by the immortal demigods. The trees are offering you their fruits and flowers to eradicate the dark ignorance that has caused their birth as trees. Purport, the trees of Vrindavan were thinking that because of past offenses, they had now taken birth as trees and, being immovable, could not accompany Lord Krishna in his wanderings throughout the Vrindavan area. In fact, all the creatures of Vrindavan, including the trees and cows, were great souls who could personally associate with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But because of ecstatic sentiments of separation, the trees considered themselves in ignorance 
and thus tried to purify themselves by bowing down at the lotus feet of Krishna and Balaram. Lord Krishna, understanding their mentality, simultaneously glanced at them with affection and praised their devotional service before his older brother, Balaram. O original personality, these bees must all be great sages and most elevated devotees of yours, for they are worshipping you by following you along the path and chanting your glories, which are themselves a holy place for the entire world. Though you have disguised yourself within the forest, O sinless one, they refuse to abandon you, abandon you, their worshipable Lord. Report the word Gudham is significant in this verse. It indicates that although the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his form of Krishna and Balaram appears like an ordinary human being within the material world, great sages always recognize the Lord as the Supreme Absolute Truth. All the transcendental forms of Godhead are eternal and full of bliss and knowledge, exactly the opposite of our material bodies, which are temporary and full of misery and ignorance. One meaning of the word tirta is the means for crossing beyond material existence. Simply by hearing the glories of the Supreme Lord or by chanting them, one immediately comes to the spiritual platform beyond material existence. Thus the Lord's transcendental glories are here described as a tirta for everyone in the world. The word gayanta indicates that great sages give up their vows of silence and other selfish processes to glorify the activities of the Supreme Lord. Real silence means to not speak nonsense, to limit one's verbal activities to those sounds, statements, and discussions relevant to the loving service of the Supreme Lord. Nice sentence. I'm going to read it again. Real silence means to not speak nonsense, to limit one's verbal activities to those sounds, statements, and discussions relevant to the loving service of the Supreme Lord. The word anagha indicates that the Supreme Lord never performs sinful or offensive activities. The word also indicates that the Lord immediately excuses a sin or offense committed by a sincere loving devotee who may accidentally deviate from the Lord's service. In the specific context of this verse, the word anagha indicates that Lord Balaram was not disturbed by the bees who were constantly following him, Anupatam. The Lord blessed them by saying, O bees, come into my confidential grove and feel free to taste its fragrance. So this is a um, reassuring point about Anaga uh, and how <clears throat> it indicates that the Lord immediately excuses a sin or offense committed by a sincere loving devotee who may accidentally deviate from the Lord's service. So Lord Rishabhadev's teachings. I, actually, I'll read you the exact verse because it's very important. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 
Krishna Krishna Hari 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 Rama Hari Rama 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 Hari Hari We have five five fifteen. And uh we know from <coughs> the pastimes of Lord Ananda, who is the Samasti Guru, Lord Balaram, that he's very merciful in approaching people to bring them closer to Krishna consciousness. For instance, he goes personally door to door with other associates. If you can imagine Lord Nityananda coming to your door, knock, knock, Vishnu Tattva at your front door. And uh, he would uh, beg people to take to the service of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, listen to the instructions of Krishna and serve. And always trying to pull people closer to the service of Lord Krishna. And also, when they were deviant, as were Jagai and Madai, he was very merciful. Even after Madai had hit him with a pot, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came there to the spot to annihilate that person for harming Lord Nityananda. Lord Nityananda is the one who begged, please uh, accept him. You've come here for this purpose. So this is the job of the of the guru of the teacher is to uh, have advocacy to make have an advocacy for those who are fallen and to make a pathway for them to become advanced in devotional service knowing how ev- any living entity who comes in contact with Krishna will become purified because Krishna is so uh, merciful the, the guru um, makes that possible by continuing to teach even when the uh, student becomes a little bit uh, belligerent. And let's look at this verse from uh, 5.5.15. Uh, Rishabhadev's teaching his sons, and he says, if one is serious about going back home, back to Godhead, he must consider the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the summum bonum, bonum, and chief aim of life. Do you all consider the uh, mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the summum, bonum, and chief aim in life? Monisha shook her head, yes. Yes. And she gave a thumbs up. Balaram? Yes? Okay. If he is a father instructing his sons, a spiritual master instructing his disciples, or a king instructing his citizens, he must instruct them as I have advised. Without being angry, he should continue giving instructions, even if his disciple, son, or citizen is sometimes unable to follow his order. Ignorant people who engage in pious and impious activities should be engaged in devotional service by all means. They should always avoid fruit of activity. If one puts into the bondage of karmic activity his disciple, son, or citizen, who is bereft of transcendental vision, how will one profit? It is like leading a blind man to a dark well and causing him to fall in. So this one meaning of anaga, which is one of the characteristics of Lord Balaram, 
You can go back to that verse, Anaga. It says, uh, mercy to those who are fallen. And uh, we hear uh, Krishna speaking like this in the Bhagavad Gita, where he says, Apichet sudaracharo bhajite mamananya bhag, sadhureva samantavya samyag vyavasitohisa. Even if somebody is worldly-minded from time to time, if that person is engaged in devotional service, he's to be considered a saintly person because of aligning his or her intention properly with the process of devotional service. And then in the next verse, Krishna says that devotee will become purified very quickly. So we shouldn't, Prabhupada says, take advantage of this and deliberately become deviated from the path of devotional service. But we should know also that um, Balaram is very merciful and that if we are sincere and we try to make advancement in devotional service, then uh, he'll always be there to help us. And this is important because it's easy enough to become depressed or morose if one can't fully engage in devotional service the way one wants and to think, oh, what's the use? But uh, Balaram's uh, mercy is always there for those who are sincere and just trying to advance in devotional service. Continuing, in the specific context of this verse, just finishing that last purport again, the word anaga indicates that Lord Balaram was not disturbed by the bees who were constantly following him, anupatam. The Lord blessed them by saying, O bees, come into my confidential grove and feel free to taste its fragrance. Translation, O worshipful one, these peacocks are dancing before you out of joy. These doe are pleasing you with affectionate glances, just as the gopis do. And these cuckoos are honoring you with Vedic prayers. All these residents of the forest are most fortunate and their behavior toward you certainly befits great souls receiving another great soul at home. Purport. Oh, translation. This earth has now be become most fortunate because you have touched your grass and bushes with your feet and her trees and creepers with your fingernails and because you have graced her rivers, mountains, birds and animals with your merciful glances. But above all, you have embraced the young cowherd women between your two arms, a favor hankered after by the goddess of fortune herself. Purport. The word adya now indicates the time of Lord the time of Lord Balaram and Lord Krishna's appearance on the earth. In his form of Varaha, Lord Krishna personally saved the earth, and indeed the earth is understood to rest perpetually on the potency of Shesha. Both Varaha and Shesha are expansions of Balaram, who is himself an expansion of Lord Krishna, the original personality of Godhead. Lord Krishna's statement that this earth has now become most fortunate, Danyin Yam Adya Dharani, indicates that nothing can equal the blessings of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his personal form as Krishna, appearing simultaneously with his plenary expansion, Balaram. The word Karaja, Karaja Bhimrishta, touched by your fingernails, indicates that as Krishna and Balaram would move through the forest, 
They would pick up fruits and flowers from the trees, bushes and creepers, and use this paraphernalia in their personal in their pleasure pastimes. Sometimes they would break leaves off the plants and use them with their flowers to decorate their bodies. Krishna Balaram would glance lovingly and mercifully at all the rivers, hills, and creatures in Vrindavan. But the blessings received by the gopis, being embraced directly between the Lord's arms, was the supreme benediction, desired even by the goddess of fortune herself. The goddess of fortune who lives in Vaikuntha on the chest of Narayan once desired to be embraced on the chest of Sri Krishna, and thus she performed severe austerities to achieve this blessing. Sri Krishna informed her that her actual place was in Vaikuntha and that it was not possible for her to dwell upon his chest in Vrindavan. Therefore, she begged Krishna to allow her to remain on his chest in the form of a golden line, and he granted her this benediction. Srila Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur recounts this incident from the Puranas. So, the loving glance over the hills, rivers, creatures in Vrindavan uh, was the uh, great blessing, one of the great blessings mentioned here. And uh, bhakti, devotional service, is aligning one's life, organizing oneself in such a way as to receive the glance of Krishna. It's amazing. In fact, I made a video about this when I was in Mayapur, about what's in a glance. The conscious living being who glances at us or withholds his or her glance can make all the difference, does make all the difference. In fact, without any glances from living beings in this world, including the beginning of the universe where Mahavishnu glances over the matter and animates it, and the living beings uh, glancing here and there, as Krishna says in Gita, apareyam etastonyam prakritim vidimi param jiva bhuta mahabaho yayedam daryatejagat, they're animating the world by their glance. And Krishna, of course, says, Mayadyakshena prakriti suyate sacharacharam. It's by my glance that everything's going on. So when we're able to get the glance of Krishna, or Balaram through the getting the glance of the Guru, acknowledgement that yes, you're doing nice service. This is the source of uh, enlivenment for the devotees and nourishment. And this is how we're sustained by Krishna's glance. That's why when we go to the temple, and as Srila Bhaktisiddhanta said, we're not going to see Krishna, but to be seen by Krishna. So we go there, <laughs> Krishna, please glance at me. Why, well, how do we go to the temple? We go in a mood of service. We clean ourselves. We wear tilak and uh, ring the bell to let Krishna know I'm here. Please glance at me now. We bow down before him and we bring some gift. And Krishna, I brought you something. And then Krishna glances at us. Uh, Srimati Radharani glances. And then uh, our life is complete. So this is the the essence of the process of bhakti. It's uh, bhaktiyamam abhijananti. It has this uh, power to attract Krishna's glance. And if we can attract Krishna's uh, glance, then our, our life is successful.
fair on the streets of San Francisco and then uh, went to India. And he was trying to serve Prabhupada in various ways. He had service in the morning of putting chandan on his forehead at the Guru Puja. To come and sit in Prabhupada's darshan. There weren't many devotees there, but he. But then he got an opportunity to this devotee to go into South India and do some preaching with a few other devotees. They went to Coimbatore and some other South Indian places, and they got in the newspaper for having uh, preached, and uh, it was a big splash because they were, these were Western devotees and sannyas, few, a few of them only, but. They were dressed in saffron, and the people down there were impressed with them. They even knew shlokas and shastra and so forth. And so when they came back, Prabhupada had seen all this, of course. That's my, when my godbrother said, that's when I got the glance. Prabhupada started really looking at me then and speaking to me even. So more evidence in the way that devotional service works through service. We perform to the guru, we perform uh, to Krishna, and that way uh, we attain the glance. Shukadeva Goswami said, thus expressing his satisfaction with the beautiful forest of Vrindavan and its inhabitants, Lord Krishna enjoyed tending the cows and other animals with his friends on the bank of the river Jamuna below Govardhan Hill. Shukadeva Goswami said, thus expressing his satisfaction, sometimes the honeybees in Vrindavan became so mad with ecstasy that they closed their eyes and began to sing. Lord Krishna, moving along the forest path with his coward boyfriends and Baladev, would then respond to the bees by imitating their singing while his friends sang about his pastimes. Sometimes Lord Krishna would imitate the chattering of a parrot, sometimes with a sweet voice the call of a cuckoo, and sometimes the cooing of swans. Sometimes he vigorously imitated the dancing of a peacock and the cowherd boys. Since we just have a few minutes left, we'll take a few reflections before we head off for... Hare Krishna, Guru Hare. Hare I was appreciating your point about how we receive the glance through service, and I was just thinking, uh, my good friend Damodar Kumar Prabhu was sharing with me something that Radhana Swami said at the GBC College meeting in Nuvrindavan last year, and he was saying how one of the most important principles of management and success in spiritual life is continuity. So I was thinking, you know, we can have so many qualifications. We could be very scholarly. We could be an expert manager. We could be so many different things. But if that continuity of service isn't there, then it's, it'll be really difficult to make advancement because it won't give us the chance to receive the glance of the spiritual master. Yes, that's a very important point. In fact, it's parallel with the comment that Madhvacharya makes about Evamvrata Swapriyanamakirtya, which is talking about the heart melting when chanting Hare Krishna and the quality of a pure devotee. And in the purport, he said that the way that one can understand 
who is an advanced devotee is through steady through seeing the steadiness of the service of such a devotee. <laughs> so that's something that um, adds up over time. When you see somebody hang around long enough, then you start to think, wow, uh, they didn't go away. <laughs> in fact, sometimes uh, there would be devotees who were doing a lot of service in the early days, and then they would go away. And devotees were shocked, and they asked Prabhupada, how is it that these big devotees are leaving? And Prabhupada says, big devotees don't leave. <laughs> and there's an old saying in America, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, sooner or later you're going to get a haircut. So, you know, if you you stick around long enough and do your 16 rounds and uh, be a good devotee, you don't have to be a great devotee, you just have to be a good devotee, then uh, that glance is going to come for sticking around. It's really in any discipline or any endeavor, showing up is really half of it. And if you just show up every time, to receive the glance, then the mercy will be there, naturally. Thank you very much, David Vrata. One or two more? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. I really like the definition of um, what is true silence. And um, Paul Prabhupada said that it's about glorifying the spiritual Lord, not just about negating the power of speech. And that really showed me that the process of devotional service is not about negation and fanaticism. It is about engaging whatever we have and whatever we can in Krishna's service. And that's so encouraging because that accommodates all our natures and Krishna is so accommodative of us. Yeah, these definitions are important, aren't they? And it's an active way of being silent by speaking about Krishna. I thought of the ways in which Prabhupada talks about ahimsa also, not envying other living entities. Ahimsa really means not to envy any living entity and obviously not to do harm to another living entity, but Prabhupada takes it a step further and very active definition says, unless you're preaching, teaching Krishna consciousness, you're causing harm to other living entities because you're not doing what you can to assist them. Yeah, in Thanks. regard in regard yes, to Yes, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Thank you for the lecture. Happy Balaram Purnima. Jai. Also, that we re I remember when we said that also fast is taking prasadam. Like <laughs> we, are, we don't need to, to do like big austerities in this process. Like if we, you know, take prasadam, Krishna Kata, uh, Mahamantra, that's the process. Yeah. Our sense control is called gentle sense control. We're not militant and yanking the senses this way or that, but we engage them naturally in the activities that are uh, meant to serve Krishna. And because of that, it appears to be some austerity. Like on Janmashtami, the devotees are so, or uh, Balaram Jayanti, we're, we're so engaged in, in doing extra service that really there's no thought about eating. The fast is incidental, really. Uh, who would want to eat when there's so much service to do? That's the idea. And uh, in this way, these austerities are all gentle austerities. Yes, nice point. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Jai Baladev. Let's take one more. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances, Prabhu. Mine to you. All glories to Prabhupada. Prabhu, uh, I really like the definition of Anagha. Um, 
I only thought the definition was that um, Krishna is sinless, but in this context, it had said Anagha also means that uh, the Lord excuses the offense of a loving devotee uh, who accidentally uh, performs a sin. So that was very encouraging. Yes, and extended to the idea of the of being guru, uh, any kind of guru, which is who uh, Rishabhadev mentions here, and he mentions in another verse, Guru Nasasyat. Uh, here he's talking about the father, the mother, the sons, uh, a, a spirit, uh, excuse me, a father instructing his son, spiritual master instructing his disciple, king. Uh, they all should follow this mood of, of Balaram. Anaga means that without becoming angry at them, of course, sometimes anger might be, you know, a devotee who's instructing might exhibit anger, but it's not out of uh, loss, losing anger. It's using anger for to uh, to make a point. That's very different, but it shouldn't be artificially employed. Uh, if one doesn't, it, if one one's We should remember that, as Prabhupada writes in one two the Bhagavatam, he wants us to come back. And somebody asked me the other day about, well, what about the verse in Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says, when somebody's of demoniac nature, I cast them into the lower species of life again and again, and isn't that some kind of a very harsh thing? And then. Uh, of course, I gave a different answer at that time, but I was thinking about it afterwards about how parents, uh, if you ask a parent, have you ever sent your child to his or her room for being unruly? Gandharvika? Have you ever... Yes. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Well, now we know. So there's, a way, there's a way in which a child may become unruly and you say, go to your room, but it's out of love. And it's not that... Uh, you go to your room and stay there till you die and uh, never come out again, which is a, a really um, very um, misguided uh, philosophical idea that's, that some people have about God sending people to hell forever and so forth. Uh, uh, but Krishna is on a guy. His heart is completely uh, sinless, pure, and therefore when he deals with everybody, it's for their highest good for their highest benefit and to be a representative of Krishna the representative of Balaram the Samasti Guru and one becomes a Vyasti Guru one has to also have that same mood and as Prabhupada writes he goes out of his way to write in the verse Mahat Sevam Dwaravam Yoshitam Sangi Sangam Mahantaste Samachita Prasanta Vimanyavak Ye. is describing a great soul and in it he says Vimanyava, a, a devotee, never becomes angry. And Prabhupada writes, uh, even when, prov when there's provocation for anger, he doesn't become angry at the people he's preaching to because that they may uh, protest, they may even uh, offend you or even worse, but he doesn't become angry at them. So this is important to remember on this day of Balaram Purnima. We're dealing with a personality who's all good, and all benevolent and all powerful. 
So we should take shelter. We really should. And we should uh, fully uh, embrace uh, the process that's come down to us through Balaram to help us go back home, back to Godhead. I was talking to a devotee yesterday who was in very, very poor physical shape and has um, been really struggling. And then also he's surrounded sometimes by uh, people who are not allowing him to uh, perform devotional service the way he wants to. And he was practically crying out, uh, you know, all I want to do, I want to do my 16 rounds. I want to surrender. And I was thinking afterwards how we can't take that for granted. It's the lifeline coming down uh, through the mercy of Guru, uh, the Samasti Guru, Lord Balaram, who's Anaga, and coming down through our individual gurus who are representatives um, of Lord Balaram. So let's pray on this day that we may take full advantage uh, at every minute of every day of the mercy of Lord Baladev and follow the process that will take us back into his pastimes in Goloka Vrindavan. Om Tat Sat. Hare Krishna. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Hey, Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman.